Thanks, Tim. How about we pray as we come to God's word? Heavenly Father, as we uh, gather as your people this morning, as we now gather around your word, uh, please uh, work your word into us this morning. Please speak to us clearly. Please open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and bring our hands and feet to action as we seek to follow Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, our risen King. We ask this so that your glory uh, all would be given to you and that your church would grow so that people would come to know and see Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, as uh, 2024 gets into full swing, uh, let me ask you this morning, what's your goal in following Jesus for 2024? Is there an outcome that you want to see in your following of Jesus this year? Uh, maybe you don't have a goal yet, or you haven't thought about it, you're still figuring it out. Uh, well, listen up this morning, because today's message and challenges for you. Maybe you do have a goal this morning. You've thought and prayed hard about it all this morning. Uh, test it against today's passage. Make sure that your goal for this year lines up with today's message and challenge. Maybe your view uh, this morning is that you don't need a goal. You don't need uh, an annual thing. You're not a goal person. Or you think that the goal of following Jesus is the same year after year. And that's fine, but even for you, make sure your goal as a follower of Jesus lines up with what Jesus says in today's passage. Uh, if you remember over the past few weeks, uh, we've been going through a summer series, helping us to start the year considering what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, we've looked at two different aspects so far, the first being call, uh, right in the beginning of January. Uh, we saw Jesus call his first disciples, highlighting that following Jesus is a whole life response. I think it's the next slide. Uh, we're in or we're out. We leave our nets and follow Jesus or we don't. We answer his call or we don't. Then we looked at cross the next week, seeing uh, Jesus respond to Peter, highlighting that following Jesus. It's not just a walk in the park. It's sacrificial. It's costly. It's putting your life on the line for the cause of Jesus and doing that because he's worth it. He died to give us eternal life as we just sung, and he calls us to take up our cross and follow him. And this morning, uh, as we end this series but also kickstart our year, uh, we look at another C word, commission. The mission or the task or the action that Jesus gives to all who follow Jesus, that we're to spend our whole lives as followers of Jesus, including the year ahead, what we put our lives on the line for as we follow Jesus. See, it's the mission that Jesus gave his disciples 2,000 odd years ago that's been passed down to all disciples, all followers of Jesus from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, starting from the book of Acts in the early church and over the whole last 2,000 years. 
this mission that Jesus still gives to all who follow Jesus today. One writer says today's passage is a clear, unambiguous statement of the church's mission to the world. So we visit a famous passage this morning. I think a timely passage to start the year. A passage that if you've been here long enough, you know this is key to our mission, our vision and values as a church and as people who follow Jesus. And my prayer today is that God would use his word, this very familiar part of his word, to convict us afresh that as followers of Jesus, our goal this year, and in fact every year, our unending goal as followers of Jesus, young and old, new and mature, the bubbly and the quiet, the trained and the untrained, the ones formerly serving and not, the upfront and the backstage, the students, the workers, the retired, all followers of Jesus. It centers on making disciples of Jesus. And my prayer is that God would stir us to join in with this task. Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's have a look at Matthew 28 from verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Well, what's just happened before this? You can have a look back. Jesus, he's just risen from death to life. He's appeared to the women visiting the tomb, and he's told them to tell the disciples to meet them in Galilee. And then after this, we get to this little story in verse 11 to 15, how the religious authorities respond to this news of the risen Jesus. They're not amazed at all. In fact, they reject Jesus so much that they work to cover up this resurrection story. And our passage this morning moves to those who accept this good news. The 11 disciples, they gather in Galilee where it all started, and they go up a mountain. If you ever look at Matthew in detail, mountains are important. Every significant teaching of Jesus in Matthew happens on a mountain. And Matthew is real here. They all worship the risen Jesus, but some of them still doubted. Maybe Thomas, maybe a few others, because this is crazy news here. Jesus rose from death to life. It's a lot of stuff to comprehend in three days. And here, Jesus, he doesn't just step up and say, look, I'm back, it's me again, now go make disciples. In fact, Jesus, he lays out two soothing truths, two fundamental realities to drive, fuel, and refresh us. One to start and one to finish, book-ending this great commission. Truths we often skip over and forget, but they're so important to grasp as we follow Jesus and seek to make disciples. And Jesus, he starts like this in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
the first reality we find here is that all authority has been given to Jesus. Matthew's gospel has highlighted Jesus' perfect life, his atoning death, his victorious resurrection, and now that his work as a true Messiah is done, as God's promised one working his salvation, as God's saving work is completed in Jesus, Jesus rises not only into new life, but he rises triumphantly to sit on God's eternal throne. It's just as Paul says to the Philippians, therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You see, the risen Jesus is now the King, the Lord of all. He's the King of God's eternal kingdom of life. That's why we call Jesus Lord. All authority in all of creation has been given to Jesus. You see, if the culture of the world around us has all authority, we should listen to and follow the world. If our boss at work has all authority, we should listen to and follow our boss at work. If our parents have all authority, if Hollywood has all authority, if social media has all authority, if AI has all authority, whatever has all authority, that's what we should listen to. That's what we should obey and follow and live out. And Jesus says here, in the context of all of heaven and earth, that's everything, by the way, the universe and all of creation, God has given all authority to Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the winner of salvation. Why should we listen to what Jesus says next? Why should we obey and follow him? Well, reality number one, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says next. Make disciples of all nations. We've heard it so many times, haven't we? Said, taught, it's in our mission statement. We know it's so central and important. But I think we've heard it so many times that we're sort of inoculated to it. We're used to it. It's just normal lingo, in one ear, out the other. But if Jesus really has been given all authority, then it's as we said just before. We ought to listen to what he asks of us. We should follow him in the task that he gives us. And this is the task in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And the key word in this task is to make disciples of all nations. You see, the going, the baptizing, the teaching, even the description of all nations, it all hangs off this task to make disciples of all nations. You see, that's what Jesus wants his disciples to do. From the 11 disciples here in today's passage, 
extending to all followers of Jesus of all time, even now. You see, this is the mission of the church. And this mission, it's not make friends. It's not make warm and fuzzy and relevant churches. It's not to make big church buildings or comfortable and easy lives. It's not to make positive and motivated people. It's not to make spiritual experiences. It's not to make biblical academics, even though all of those things are good. It's here, says, to make disciples. But what are disciples? What do these disciples look like? Well, a disciple isn't a casual thing. It's not just one of many commitments. It's not something you turn up to when you feel like it. And it's not even a nine-to-five job. A disciple is a whole life posture. A whole life following a certain teacher or master. It was a rabbi back then for the Jews, and it was committed, life-giving, sacrificial, and through that life-giving following to be made more and more like your teacher or master. And the teacher or master in this case is Jesus. He's the one who's been given all authority. We're making disciples of Jesus. You see, God has saved you in Jesus. And he saved you to follow Jesus, the one who's been given all authority. And the core to following Jesus is making disciples. Sharing this life-giving message of Jesus to people facing death, just like it was shared to you by someone else, so that others might be followers or disciples of Jesus too. And this is how Jesus describes going about this task. Four things. First, he says, go. It's active. Get out there. Take the initiative. Yes, God definitely brings opportunities to us and they'll just sometimes fall into our laps without us needing to do anything. But here, Jesus clearly says to go. And this is going to look different to each of us. It could be go across the room, across the dining table, across the volleyball court, across the Uber car seat, across the cafe, across the city, even across borders and cultures and oceans. Second, of all nations, we're to be involved in making disciples to all nations, all ethnicities, and even physically going to the ends of the earth to all nations. This means we're to be patient with people of different cultures, to reach out to them and not put them in the too hard basket because God didn't put us in the too hard basket, did he? This means we're to actively partner with gospel workers who are doing this work all around the world. Third, baptizing them in the name of the triune God. While baptism itself doesn't save sinners, 
the act of baptism was and still is seen as this visible entry point into God's people. You see, in Acts, people believed in Jesus. They were baptized and were added to the number. When you're baptized, you're showing in public what's happened in your heart already. You're publicly declaring your trust in Jesus and publicly identifying yourself as part of God's church. So making disciples, it includes baptizing them, seeing people saved, seeing people accept and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, seeing people identify with Jesus in his death and resurrection, seeing people added to the number of saved and forgiven in Christ. One second, sorry. And finally, teaching them to observe all of Christ's commands. You see, adding to the number isn't the end. Making disciples includes growing and maturing them, teaching and training them to obey Christ, to live for Christ, to become more and more like Jesus. I've heard a bit of pushback about gospel growth recently uh, in the wider church and even in our church community. Yes, it is about firmly looking at Jesus. It is about loving Jesus. It's about living in grace. But all of these things lead to active gospel growth. Growing more like Jesus, obeying his commands, killing sin and being holy. It's clearly what the Bible teaches us. It's what Jesus says here, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So making disciples, it involves going. It's about all nations and peoples, not just our own. It includes helping people come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it extends to seeing people grow in Christ as they obey him. You see, the Church of Jesus is not meant to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Numbers, but no maturity. It's not meant to be an inch wide and a mile deep either. Maturity without numbers. The Church of Jesus, including all disciples of Jesus, local and global, is meant to be a mile wide and a mile deep. Numerous and mature growing even wider and deeper until the day the Lord returns in glory. You see, that's the task Jesus gives us. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he calls his disciples, including us today, to make disciples of all nations. And that brings us to the last point, the second reality to drive and fuel and refresh us, bookending the tasks that Jesus gives us. Because making disciples of all nations, it's a daunting task, isn't it? How are the disciples going to do this? Eleven men, some confident like Peter, but others still doubting, maybe like Thomas. How are eleven men 
going to make disciples of Jesus of all nations? How are you going to make disciples? Overcoming fear, anxiety, culture and personality barriers, growing courage, finding the right words, trusting that God is working, enduring pushback and opposition, even ostracization and marginalization. Well, remember the beginning of Matthew. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Now Jesus is leaving. But look at what Jesus declares as Matthew closes his gospel. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, even though he's going, he's still Emmanuel, with us always. In fact, he's with us to the very end of the age. He gets ahead of the doubts and concerns to emphasize this comforting reality. You see, Jesus will never abandon us. He won't forsake us. He won't let go of us. He's with us, holding us, guarding us, protecting us, comforting us, as we respond to his authority and make disciples of all nations. And we know this, as the Holy Spirit descends in Acts, as the Spirit works in all believers, the reality of God in us, Christ with us, God's Spirit dwelling in our hearts, preaching Christ to our souls. That's Emmanuel, Jesus alive in us. You see, Jesus doesn't say, go on, make disciples, toughen up, you're on your own, see you later. He surrounds it with these realities of the risen Lord Jesus. Realities that drive us, fuel us, refresh us. All authority has been given to Jesus. And here, Jesus, the one who has authority, is with us to the end of the age. So make disciples. God's people are to make disciples until the end of the age, until eternity in the new creation, where this task of making disciples will one day be over and all that will be left is lifelong worship of Jesus. Just as Revelation 7 reminds us, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could ever number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we think about what this means for us. Uh, King of the Wings is a chicken wing business. It's one of my favourite chicken wing spots in Brisbane. Uh, it started up about 10 years ago as this little food trailer uh, with a very small following. 
Uh, but over those years, it's grown. It's multiplied to essentially four stores. Two stores, a big food van, and a food trailer. They've won local and national awards, and they've grown from a few followers to 34,000 followers on social media and rising. You see, small businesses, they want to grow and multiply. Of course, they do it for their own product and for personal and financial profit. And God's church, according to Jesus, according to this passage, it's also to grow and multiply. It's core to the mission of Jesus, making disciples. Making disciples means growing and multiplying in numbers and maturity in width and depth, not kind of the width that would happen here, as we obey Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations. But unlike this business, uh, we as God's people, we don't do it for personal profit or reward. We do it simply because our Lord and Saviour Jesus tells us to. We do it for the glory of God. We do it to save souls from death to life, from hell to heaven, from judgment to salvation. And just like a small business that isn't growing would bring alarm bells to those business owners, if God's church isn't growing or multiplying, I think that should bring alarm bells to the church. It should cause us to question whether we're living out the task and mission that Jesus calls us to. To reflect ourselves, am I striving to live out the mission Jesus has given us? Or have I lost sight of the task of making disciples? And this brings us to my first challenge this morning. Are you making disciples of Jesus? Are you actively part of the work of going, of bringing people to Christ and growing people in Christ? Are you making disciples of Jesus? Scholar Don Carson famously says that a church is never more than three generations from losing the gospel. One generation to believe it and proclaim it, a second generation to assume it, and a third generation to lose it. We want to stay in that first generation, believe it and proclaim it. If we're not actively making disciples, we're going to slip into the second generation, assuming the gospel. I think this is where many churches are at. The gospel isn't front and center, whether it be in the pulpits or in people's lives, and it's a dangerous place to be because it's one generation away from the gospel being lost. And I think that's where our Western society is right now. The gospel, the once intertwined uh, in the fabric of our society has been ripped out. Which generation is the culture of our church in? Believing and proclaiming? Assuming? Or lost? Which generation is the culture of our church ought to be in? 
believing and proclaiming, assuming, or lost? Let me ask you to reflect on where you are at today in making disciples. Are you actively making disciples of Jesus? It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the deacon's job. It's not just the young people's job. It's all of us as followers of Jesus. Who are you growing to know Jesus? Who are you growing to grow in Jesus? How are you doing this? This year, we're going to start hosting an evangelistic course as a church. We'll hear about it more later. But this will be a way of keeping evangelism front and center. It'll provide opportunities to invite people to, to have gospel conversations at, and to feel our desire to be part of people coming to Jesus. We're also doing our discipleship training course again because growing others in Christ, it happens as people grapple with God's word. And our discipleship training course helps us to read the Bible well for ourselves and in turn with others. Are you making disciples of Jesus. And as we think about making disciples, uh, we've just covered you making someone else as a disciple of Jesus. But making disciples includes yourself too. Each of us growing, maturing, and obeying all of Christ's commands. Because Jesus wants each of us to be made as a mature disciple of Jesus too. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You see, none of us are perfect. None of us have attained Christ's likeness. None of us perfectly obey all the commands of Christ. And Jesus wants each of us to keep growing to keep being made as a disciple of Jesus, to keep learning to obey all of Christ's commands. And this brings us to my second challenge today. Are you being made as a disciple of Jesus? Are you growing to Christ-like maturity? What are you doing to be made to grow yourself as a disciple of Jesus. How might you go about this? What's your plan of attack this year? Finish the sentence. I want to grow in Christ by this. I want to grow in Christ in that. Maybe it's living for Jesus better in certain spheres of your life, the workplace or at home. Maybe it's working on this sin in your life or working on that idol, growing a fruit of the Spirit, growing in biblical knowledge, growing in Christ-like affections, growing deeper connections with other believers, growing in serving, 
growing in generosity. We as a church provide a few things to help foster being made as a disciple, whether it be our growth groups starting beginning of March, our small discipleship groups, Sunday sessions, discipleship training, external events that we promote. What are you doing to be made as a disciple of Jesus? What are you going to do this year to keep growing as a follower of Jesus? Why does all of this matter? Well, personally, I don't have a lot of history to draw on. I'm turning 36 this year. But even in my time as an adult in the church, I've seen the importance of making disciples. Because you see, I became a Christian. I owned Christ for myself. I grew as a follower of Jesus because two people invested time and energy making a disciple of Jesus out of me. My generation of young adults in the church I grew up in, they were discipled really well. We were lucky and blessed. And in turn, we discipled those around and under us too. The generation under us, they were discipled by my generation. But somewhere down the track, the discipling stopped. People weren't making disciples anymore. The baton of the gospel stopped being passed. And just as a generalization, since many people know my old church, the people that discipled us, many of them didn't really disciple anyone else after us. It was almost like their job was done. And the people that we discipled, for whatever reason, many of them didn't keep on going in discipling others. And yes, life gets busy. People get married and have kids. But if Jesus calls his disciples to make disciples, it might look different in each season, but we're always to be involved in the task of making disciples. And as a result, in the church that I grew, grew up in, I reckon we lost a whole generation of numerous and mature disciples of Jesus. And now we have a generation in that church of young people in their early 20s, a small group keen to know Jesus and grow in him, but they're lamenting that there's no one above them offering to help to grow them as mature followers or disciples of Jesus. If you think of making disciples as a generational tree, we make disciples and the tree grows, the church grows. And we stop making disciples and the tree shrinks and the church dies. So do you want the church to grow? Transfers from other churches are great and helpful, but that's not how the church grows. The church grows as disciples are made, as people come to Jesus and people grow in Jesus.
and that's key to our vision in 2024. Our vision statement for this year is encountering Jesus. As we make disciples, we want to see people encounter Jesus. And as we're made as disciples, we need to encounter Jesus for that to happen. And we'll explain more about that later in the service. Before we get to my last challenge, I just have a passing comment to our older generation, especially to those over 50 in our church family. You might listen to the last 20, 30, 40 minutes, and you might feel like none of this applies to you. You've done your bit. You're too old. It's up to the next generation now. But God's word never puts a retirement age on the Great Commission. In fact, God's word says for older men to keep growing in godliness, for older women to train younger women in godliness, for all of us to entrust the gospel to others, to keep growing more and more like Jesus. So Jesus' challenge here to make disciples and to be made as mature disciples, while it may look different and it will look different in your season, it still equally applies to you. In fact, the church needs more examples of older men and older women making disciples of others and being made as disciples themselves. So let me ask you, how is God challenging you today in this? We've seen two applications so far, but it'd be wrong to leave this passage as some daunting and impossible challenge. So our last application today is to be fueled, refreshed, ignited, recharged, leaning on and trusting in Jesus himself. Grab hold and bask in the reality of Jesus as we join in this task. Jesus has all authority. He's the risen Lord. He's defeated sin and death and Satan. He's the one on the throne, no one else but Jesus. And Jesus, this Jesus, he's with us, strengthening us, comforting us, assuring us that Jesus has won and following Jesus is worth it. So let these realities of the risen Lord Jesus soak it up. Let it give you freedom, permission, even fuel to run hard for the cause and the task and the mission of Jesus. As we finish off, you might think, making disciples, heard it before, not a big deal, too hard, too uncomfortable. But just stop and think for a moment. Hertford Street Baptist Church in 25 years' time. Disciples of Jesus in Upper Mount Gravatt in 25 years' time. That's a generation's time. Yes, God is sovereign. God will work his kingdom cause with or without us. But think about it. This church building, 
has been filling up. We've seen it being empty before. In 25 years' time, it could be full and overflowing or empty and dead, depending on how we respond to Jesus' call to make disciples. This year by year, month by month, day by day, moment by moment, call and action of making disciples, of obeying the call of Jesus and joining in the mission Jesus has given us as his disciples. So let's spend this morning thinking and reflecting on this. How will you be part of making disciples of Jesus this year? How will you be made as a disciple of Jesus this year? And how does the authority and presence of Jesus fuel and refresh you in this work? Let us listen to the words of Jesus again as we finish off. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the one who has all authority. You are the risen Lord who's broken the chains of sin and death and given us life forever. Help us to follow you and to be active in the mission and task you've given us of making disciples. It's so familiar to us, but we're often slow or anxious or ignorant of this call. Please forgive us in this and please work in our efforts, not for our gain or to make Hertford Street great, but so that your name, Lord Jesus, may be glorified. Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, our Redeemer and King. We pray this in your name. Amen.